When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Emergency edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. My name is Brian Robb. For the emergency, Rich and Mike, unfortunately, are off tonight, but we bring in a couple of the big guns for this emergency reaction in Brian Bernardoni and Brennan Jackson. And guys, the Celtics have had three games postponed in the last week, and that is not the top story of the week uh, since I think this will probably be maybe the most eventful trade in January NBA history. James Harden heading to the Nets, four-team deal, 200 draft picks moving, changing hands, I should say. Um, It seemed to all really come together in a hurry, guys, but we'll start with Ryan here. Um, I want to start this way. Biggest winner and loser out of this deal right now, since you had an interesting take on this in the pre-show pod, Ryan. Uh, Victor Oladipo doesn't even get a mention, so that's no. not great. <laughs> um, I think the biggest, uh, I think the winner is probably Houston. They, the haul that they got is just very substantial. Um, and if you're Tillman Fertitta, they save a bunch of money, uh, which is obviously concern number one at all times in the NBA. With uh, no, So I think that they're most likely the winner. Um, if you have to take one of the four teams as the loser, I think it's probably the Nets. Um, now they might go out and win the title, and so none of it will matter. But like, just the risk on this is so enormous that they—it seems to be a trade made of desperation, which could very well—they uh, may very well be desperate because Kyrie, they apparently have like no contact with him, and who knows what's going on there. Katie's not getting any younger, and has apparently said that he wanted Harden there. So it appears that they made a trade out of desperation. Now, again, you have Durant and Harden and maybe Kyrie, and they may just go win the title. Um, but even making the finals and not winning the title when you even have this much is like pretty hard failure. So I think that they're, they're most likely the losers amongst the four teams in the trade. I think the, the real losers are probably the other all-in teams, particularly in the Eastern Conference. So the Bucks, this hits them pretty hard. Uh, the 76ers, depending on what they do from here, you know, not great for them. Uh, the Heat, they sort of had their aspirations for future free agents dry up and now they see another kind of super team coming into the east so i think less for the celtics because the celtics window is so much longer i think the sort of all in eastern conference teams are probably the losers and then like i said the winners now a lot of people have been calling out the two teams that sort of got in on the fringe stuff here as the big winners and it's like those aren't the big winners i think they both made smart moves but um yeah i think houston did very well for a player who is basically sandbagging to go and get the entire draft future of of the Nets, plus some other stuff, including Victor Oladipo for at least a little bit of time. So I don't know. That's where I start. I think, I think you're right. Like, I think if we're thinking about the haul that the, that Houston got, obviously for like a total player, which I thought completely torpedoed his trade value. Yeah, absolutely. They got a haul, but I'm looking at those draft picks and I'm thinking the best one might be 15. obviously we don't have no idea what it's going to be like in 2027, but like, 
who all right all right ryan you're shaking your head as people can't see but like Too far what's the best what's the best draft pick you think you think it's going to be like a top five pick some at some point i mean top five is hard with lottery odds and all and all that but no i mean one of these picks is going to end up in the lottery like at least one probably multiple they're just a very old and very expensive team that they're not out of their prime yet but like these picks go nine years into the future or whatever eight years into the future they just they go so far out the entire my my principle on this is that the entire league turns over every eight years so there is zero correlation between your record now and your record eight years from now across the entire league and that's been pretty consistent for a long time it's just that's how long it takes to turn over if you have picks that are out that far it doesn't zero correlation doesn't mean that the bad teams become good and the good teams become bad a good team could still be good eight years from now but there's not you shouldn't you can't project from now that far into the future really anything about where a team's going to be so there's okay, a good so, chance that some of these picks are quite good. Okay, so fair, so fair enough. So eight years from now, they might have a pick that might get them Colin Sexton. That's cool. Okay, well, they might have a pick three years from now that gets them Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Like this was the conversation <laughs> we course. had when they traded for KG and Ray. It was like, well, these picks are probably going to be sort of you know maybe by the end these will be like you know low lottery picks or something. You know they're not going to be great. And this is I think there's less immediate downside risk for. Brooklyn now than there wasn't that because Harden's just younger right like right exactly yeah. but um you still have a thing where three years from now these guys might be might not be on the team anymore like the whole thing could melt down they could hate each other and go sign somewhere else it's not impossible players move all the time now it's just there's there's so much risk there um and again they may turn around and just win the title this year and it doesn't matter it's sort of like the you know the Lakers gave up a gigantic call for Anthony Davis nobody gives a shit now they won the title it doesn't matter what else happens that could happen here but uh, in terms of just like probabilities, I think that it's most likely that they don't win the title still, and that Houston, for a player who was like, was barely playing, like he was throwing games almost, and he, like he obviously didn't want to be there, and they still got everything they could possibly get. Yeah, I, I also will quibble with you on how much the Lakers gave up. It really depends on how much you, f- how good you feel about Brandon Ingram. Like that's really what it is. Yeah. But of all their picks too. Yeah, I don't know. Picks don't do anything for yeah. me. And, I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend. Taken three straight top three picks, and they traded like all their future picks. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> they got like the Lakers. That's a whole different conversation because that like the AD discussion and what they gave up there. Those they weren't the bidding. There weren't as many active bidders involved there. I feel like as there were here. So I'm going to defend. I agree with in terms of there are going to be a couple of good picks that come out of this for the Rockets, and it is a pretty impressive haul. But I'm going to defend the Nets from a standpoint of, like, they only have Durant under contract for another year and a half here. And they kind of made their bed with Kyrie Irving in terms of him being, depending on what reports you believe right now, he's obviously MIA for now and could be for a lot longer this season. So if he's not here in this picture of this team, it's like they're not a title contender this year. And then you're on the clock with, with Durant. So – like the Bucks kind of did of Giannis in the trade for Drew Holiday. I think this is a situation where the Nets front office painted themselves in the corner and just had to had to pay through the nose and to ensure that, you know, you're showing Kevin Durant that you're doing everything you can to win right now. So, you know, you might not win the title, but the odds of you keeping him beyond next season went up a lot, no matter what happens with Kyrie. And this was I don't know. Was this just like a, do you think this is like a middle finger to Kyrie making this kind of deal too, in the sense of being like, we can't trust you right now anymore. So we're making this deal. And when you're ready to come back, like 
come back, but like, you know, we have, we have our horses here too. So I don't even know the trade has happened yet. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Like, I don't think it's necessarily a middle finger to Kyrie. Everyone knows like big three is not like a secret, you know, paradigm among the NBA. Like a lot of people feel like big three is the only way you, you win. So they, they had a big two and like a bunch of really good pieces. Carrot Levert, Karis Levert, Jared Allen, uh, Roko Curix. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I can't even pronounce that dude's name. But uh, like, I don't think this blindsided him, but like, do you hold any stock in the reports that he didn't want Harden? Were there reports of that? There, I, there were, were yeah. There were reports that he did want him. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I believe more that he did want, but I mean, like where his head's at for this season, I believe there was reports turned to like, does he not want to like play this year? Right. Yeah, there's reports like, that he might sit out the whole year. There's reports that, that he and that Durant and he hadn't like talked in a long time that they've had a big falling out. There's uh Nash is very clearly just like doesn't want anything to do with this conversation. I guess he's just no commenting everything at this point. But right. Um and so B Rob, I'll just, you know, to the point that you were making, I agree with everything you said. Like I don't think it's an unjustifiable trade. I don't think it's one of those things where it's like, hey, this is if rating one out of ten, like this is a zero. It's basically for them, it's like, well, it's probably like a five for them. It's just that of the four teams. I think right. it's more like, yeah. like you know a, an eight for Houston and a you know a nine for the other two teams, but their their parts of it are so much smaller that if you have to pick who got the worst of it, I would say the Nets. But again, I think the real losers here are like the Bucks, right? It's a different, right. you know, a, a outside that that framing, because um, I agree, like they're a desperate team for a reason, and desperate teams sometimes make desperation moves that work out. Whatever, I I don't blame them for it. Are they going to give up 125 a night? Like, is this going to be, they have open roster spots, but they have close to nothing left to trade to fill in those spots. And they do have the a disabled player exception coming for Dinwiddie's injury, but it is going to be beyond Bruce Brown. There's just no wing or backcourt defense on this entire roster right now. And it's, and yeah. I don't know how you're going to get through four rounds like that. I well, mean, Durant, Durant right. is not a nothing defender though. He's a yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, great. He's, he's not, not nearly as good I mean, as I think he gets. He's not, but he's not as bad as Kyrie and Harden. You know what yeah, I mean? For sure. Like when engaged, he can be good. And DeAndre um, Jordan is a shell of himself, like, but he's not nothing. You know, DeAndre Jordan is close to nothing. I, who, defends <laughs> a, who defends a wing though? Like, right. you know, KD's sort of become like this rim protector, but he's not out in space on a regular basis defending anybody. Like, who defends Jason Tatum? And if the answer to that is is Kevin Durant, then who defends Jalen Brown? Like, they just they don't have defenders and especially because you know Bruce Brown may be their best defender he's not going to play in any like important minutes because Joe Harris is going to be on the floor and like you just they have their five I think I mean maybe you can plug somebody else in for Joe Harris but like I don't think they're gonna get anybody better with a disabled player exception or something and like I said they really need to sign a backup center at this point because they they don't even really have one so Nick um, Claxton's not doing it for you is he even what a bummer him I was very high on Nick Claxton I have. No, I don't even know who he is. <laughs> That's a first round pick from last year who hasn't played. Uh, yeah, you know my draft stuff. If they don't play once they get to the NBA, I barely know who they are. <laughs> um, um, but here's the, here's one of the questions I have about the Nets, right? So, of those three, who is the third banana, and how does Kyrie feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the third banana, and why is it Kyrie? Why? Yeah, the third exactly. best of like, the three. Uh, again, I don't know what Kyrie thinks about anything right now. Um, is he, is he an NBA player right now? Like I, 
maybe he shows up at a game a week from now, although I guess he probably won't because he's going to have to go into COVID protocols, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. But, like, who knows? Who knows Who knows what Kyrie is thinking under the best of circumstances? At the it's moment. Like, like, quick, we really don't know. Quick five seconds on Kyrie. Like, he's a dude where you're like, okay, wow, he's standing up for Standing Rock and, and the fact that the pipeline's going through and that's awful. Like, that's bad. That's objectively bad, right? So that's great. Um, and he's always on the side of labor. Hell yeah, this is great stuff. And then he's like, no, I'm going to like go to a party and not wear a mask and totally expose myself. And it's like, shit, man, you're just a narcissist. <laughs> like that's what it boils down to. He doesn't actually have like scruples. I, as far as I can tell, he's just like, no, it's, it's me, me, me. And that kind of sucks. I mean, I don't know enough about him personally to like, make that statement necessarily. The thing that I've always said about him is that he's just weird. Like he's just an odd dude, and, and I used that's to, fine I used if you to think are a that. tennis player. I but like used if to you think... play a team sport, then there's just something that's hard about being weird. See, and that's I used been to a problem. I used to think he was weird until the COVID thing, and then I'm like, oh no. But it's like... still weird. It's just weirdness. Like it's not weird to go to a birthday party for your family. That's not what I mean by weird. It's just he's not. He is not a sort of within the normal bounds of an NBA player or a team sports player, and it's really difficult if your like superstar player is kind of weird to build a team and to build a culture and all that it's totally fine if you're a, like i said a, a tennis player or a golfer or something you just have weird like who cares it's indip- individual stuff but if you're if you're trying to be especially on a basketball team he's just kind of strange and yeah i think i, I think know. you're giving him too much credit and we'll we might have the same conversation two years from now when he does something else really terrible but I, this was the last straw for me. It's like, oh, I thought he was a weird dude who was just like had some like conspiracy theory stuff, some like good takes, and then it's just like, nope, he's just. He... I don't even. But I don't mean weird by the conspiracy theory stuff. Even like, I mean weird. Just he's not like a normal NBA player. He thinks about different things, and he says different things, and he does different things, and he seems to just have a different outlook on a lot of stuff. And whether sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad, and I'm not making like value judgments on it. It's just he's not a normal, right? He's Ricky Williams well, in the NFL. Or right. He's just different. And that's and, fine. But like, he's a dude that literally believes he can do anything. So like when Steve Nash got mentioned or uh, hired his coach, he was like, we don't need a coach. I can be a coach. Kevin Durant can be a coach. And like, I made a joke on Twitter, like, yeah, I can't be Kyrie Irving, but he can't be a project manager. Like he just, he couldn't do my job and my job is easy. So like, I, and I firmly believe that because- I have the same job as you and he could probably do it because there's no actual skill or work involved in mine. <laughs> but that's um, my point. That's my point. My like point that's is, literally my so, point. <laughs> so my point, I guess would be, we're both saying my point, my point, my point, would be that <laughs> it's not actually weird for an NBA player to think that they could be the coach of their team. True. The only weird part of it is that you go out and say it. It is weird to go out and to not understand the nature of being a teammate and of the nature of your, of your relationship with a coach. And it's just within the context of what everybody is used to for team sports, which is how you sort of how players on the team structure their lives and get through their day and their week and all that. He does and says things that are just strange. And that makes it harder on everybody else. It makes it harder on the other 14 guys on the team and 16 guys or whatever now and the coach and, and the front office and all that, and all the media people who have to deal with it. And it's, it just sort of grates on people over time. And it's not that he's a bad guy, although what he did with this party is not is That's bad. bad. That's it objectively bad. Yeah. Um, 
it's, it's just different, and that makes it hard in a team sport. How about just not showing up to the game without telling your coach, like, what's going That's on? That's also like, You guys haven't, you Some haven't, you guys, shit you guys right have, there. you guys, like, you, you're saying all this other stuff, like, this is, I want the, this is, like, the biggest one right here, guys. If you're just going to no-show like, two weeks into the year with, like, you, you form this own team, and you've been waiting for a year to have your, in a start, I guess, I guess probably Durant was out for this game, which may have contributed to it when he just decided to go AWOL, but, like, I mean, this, there's been a lot of examples. I'm sure we haven't heard a lot of things like this that have happened over the years, but, like, in terms of uh, – Yeah, I mean, I was liability. talking more of, like, the sweep of his career right. versus more than the last just a couple of weeks. But you, because you go back that far, and when he would say and do weird things in Boston, all the people from Cleveland would be like, yep, yeah, get used to it. Right. He's just kind of strange. And it's whatever. We went a long time on Kyrie on yeah. an emergency. Well, that's why it was hard. so funny. I was waiting for B to come down and like lower the hammer and be like, all right, let's yeah. get back to Rain task. Yeah. And then he was like coming over the top. Well, no, it's just, no, it's just <laughs> like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff there. And so, but yeah, this is, that's enough Kyrie. Um, the Nets, I think we laid out the Nets situation pretty well there in those, those few minutes. It's, it's a big game for them. Not ideal for them to make, but Kyrie is forcing them to make it. And so that's what it is. I want to push back a little bit on Ryan's point with the Rockets. I'm right. You're wrong. Okay. All right. Let's move on. So, <laughs> what was it? Um, I no, agree. The, the draft hall. <laughs> no. Draft hall is great. Am I crazy for preferring no. a couple years of Karius Levert to one year of Victor Oladipo? No, nope, I um, agree with that. That like, doesn't I think make a lot of sense. Here's right, my that makes no sense to me. Here's my explanation for that. They want to suck next year. They want Oladipo to walk away, and they want to suck next year. It was a trade for an expiring contract to clear it off the books. Levert is just a little bit too good. Levert, Wall, Christian Wood, it's all just a little bit too good, and they don't want to win 35 games, and they just would rather clear the money and dump it. That's my, that's my only guess but at it. Trade Levert it for something sense. else, though, at the trade deadline. Like, no, like well, but like, that's... if you're trying to get out of the money, yeah, but I agree. Uh, it doesn't make like... a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe they want to sell tickets in an empty arena. I don't know. I agree with that part. It doesn't make much sense. <laughs> that, that was the one where I was like, oh, wow. Like, I wonder what the Pacers had to give up um, to get Levert on top of Oladipo. And I was like, nothing. They, got, they literally got that straight up, which is, I think, a huge boost for them since Oladipo was not going to resign there. And so you get a guy in his prime. And I mean, Levert, I don't think he's ever going to be an all-star, but like, that's a lot of firepower, either yeah. if they start him or coming off the bench. like. I mean, he's Andrew Wiggins. I think he could. You think he's Andrew Wiggins? I think he's better. There's, I don't know who says that. There's somebody who calls him that Eastern Conference Andrew Wiggins, but I don't think, I think he's better than Wiggins, but like, I don't think he's great. There's too many people, right? There's too many people. Oh, there's all these people on Twitter who I don't remember who they think they're all the same person. I see their little (laughs) eye. I was like, oh, you're that one. No, they're not. It's somebody else. (laughs) Um, One, like, I, I agree with you, B. I think Indiana won this, and I think Ryan actually shockingly, uh, I'm kidding. He actually said it right. Like if Cleveland and Indiana are nines, right. Out of like one through 10 and Rockets are eight, but the magnitude is so much better for the Rockets. That that's probably the right take, but like Indiana, I feel like Indiana and Cleveland, I I was very bullish on them. Like I love, I'm a big Jared Allen fan. So like Cleveland going Jared Allen is great. Um, And so what's funny is that I immediately checked, right. Cause if Jared Allen's going to Cleveland, the, the first question on everyone's mind is, oh, shit, where's Andre Drummond going? And good news, Celtics fans, he makes – and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but he makes like 250000 more than the TPE? Uh, yeah, he does not fit, just right. barely, thankfully. 
<laughs> so Andre Drummond won't be coming to the Celtics at the, least through the TPE. Might even if he did, the Celtics have no interest in him. The yeah, front office has not, zero interest. No in chance. Him. So that was like my first thing, right? Um, but I, I going back to the Celtics though, like I'm just wondering how, aside from Harden, right? Is there any way the Celtics could have been involved as a third or fourth team? Could they have gotten Oladipo? Could they have gotten Levert? Like, what, what are we looking at here? Well, they could have been the Cleveland team, right? They could have, they could have, instead, Cleveland had to send Axum in order to get, and they gave a, a first round pick, but it's a 2022 Milwaukee pick. And maybe they would have, like 2022, Giannis is still going to be on the team at that point. I don't think that pick has more value than, like, if the Celtics had want to come in and offer their first round pick, yeah, this it'd be year, equivalent to the They Celtics would have first. gotten, and so they you're saying they could have given out. up Tice and gotten Jared Allen. Yeah, so they would have had to send out players to clear roster spots, not – they could just use money. the TPE yeah. and take them. They don't necessarily need to uh, – now, um, they would have had to take Prince, and he makes enough where they would have had to use TPE on, on Prince probably because Tice doesn't make a salary match for that. So, But they could have functionally been the Cleveland team in this and probably sent out like Tice and Edwards just to you know sort of make the roster spots work or something like that. But I don't – I wouldn't have done that. It wouldn't have to be Tice necessarily. I would not have done that if I were. Yeah, it could have been like Carson Edwards, but I'm with you. That's you don't take Prince is a really bad contract. I don't like him so at all. Can we and, do like a, a quick 15 seconds on players that like Prince was great his rookie year? What no, happened? Never, what happened? Never great. He's always been overrated. He defend. What? I, so he's like a semi ogile defender then? He's yes. a dude that like looks like a good defender, yes. but he's not a good defender? Okay. In fact, when we talked about him in our TPE targets, convers- uh, pod of when that happened i think that's exactly what i said about <laughs> it is that he looks like he should be a good defender right. and tricks people but he has he's never been a good defender he doesn't actually make shots i'd probably take shemmy this year over him to be honest well uh, yeah of course because he's year. playing really well but like would you take him over his rookie year no i mean like there's there's obviously more upside with prince but he's making 15 million dollars to last the next this year and next I'm year. And Prince is rookie year. Come on. We're, we're, but, in, we're but, on an alternate timeline here, okay? No, but like, <laughs> I mean. He's 27, almost 27. Yeah, so it's like, I don't care about his rookie year, though, now. It's like, what are, what are you right now? What are you making right now? And it's, he has not, that might have been his best years were in Atlanta, and he has plateaued slash maybe gone downhill since he's moved into a team that's, like, relevant. So. And, and the other problem, yeah, I mean, the other problem with that is, would you rather be paying Jared Allen as a restricted free agent after this year or hoping that you get rob williams on like a a pretty low level extension at the end of this year the dream with rob williams is that he never plays quite enough this year you extend him and then he breaks out next year when he has a bigger role right like it's sort of what the what you're really hoping for here and if you take jared allen you might jared allen might be a better player than rob williams right now he's certainly a better defender but like you're gonna have to pay him and they've just made it very clear they don't want to pay centers so I don't know if the upgrade from like moving out Tice to get Jared Allen actually gets you anything right now. And you'd have to take Prince and that would use up the yeah. TPE and like there's but, an opportunity cost. I don't, I wouldn't have done sure. it if I were them. Although I, you can make a case for it. Well, but the offer, so taking Prince on the opportunity cost, it's not like they lose the rest of the TPE when they do that. They uh, pretty have. close to, I mean, they have, yeah. you only have under How much is Prince making? Prince is making 14 mil and you're hard cap this year, Jack. So you can't, uh, you can only go up to like, you know, this would probably use up all your TPE for this year with the hard cap, essentially. Forget the hard cap. They're not going to be a tax team for that. And they're not going to be a tax team. The too. tax is really the line here. Right. And if you take out Tyson, you put in Allen, that saves yeah. you a little bit. Like you have a couple million dollars to play with there, but it basically that's your team at that point, unless you make a trade that sends out Smart or Prince again or something like that. Yeah. And if neither of those guys are in your closing five lineup, like then I don't think you, it's probably not worth using the TPE. 
I mean, you could make an argument that Allen comes in over Thompson, but maybe not. Uh, I just, I wonder. It's overrun. Like, it's the problem. Like, you I, always I, see him whenever he plays in beat, he gets just, he gets stomped. He just gets, he gets overrun. I, I can see Thompson, though. It's not Thompson. Um, Allen taking a smart level contract, and then you have a good value contract for the next like five years or whatever. But that's like very pie in the sky. I get it. Yeah. I, I think the, you could have made that argument before we saw all the extensions signed. And like, if you just look at the amount of money that's out there and the players who are out there, there's just too much money and not enough good players at this point in next year's free agency, where I think that he probably gets paid an amount that you wouldn't really be comfortable with. Cause even if he gets paid miles Turner money, like we know they didn't want miles Turner and you're just right. like, eh, I don't really want, want that. Um, yeah. But, but I would have said the same thing when smart was up for the extension. And for some reason he stayed on really well, good I mean, money. Smart got paid pretty much right on. I think where people expected, like if you had asked me what, like what I thought best his most likely contract was, it would have been almost exactly what he signed for. Mm. In fact, I, I had done say. the math and like looked for comps and looked over. I remember writing a thing where it was like, here's comps from recent years. And then if you inflation adjust them to the cap, current cap, it would be this amount. And then that's like exactly what he signed for. All right. So, so with, with Allen, it would be did. with Allen. It's probably, you know, 15 million a year or something. You're like, do you really want that? And probably not. You're hoping to get Rob Williams for the MLE basically on an extension at the end of this season. Probably will if he doesn't play as much. I mean, if he's got COVID all year. They're just too similar of players is the other thing. Like, they're, neither of them are going to defend Embiid or Jokic or anybody like that. Like, they, they're rim-running, you know, sort of shot-blocking centers who aren't super big. And I, I don't know. I, like I said, I can make an argument for it, but it's just not something I would have done. But if you're looking for where the Celtics could have gotten involved, it would have been there. And honestly, the Nets might not have been like, yeah, we don't want to send you this guy. Like, we'll find another team to take him. For other right. people, like That's in a situation true. like that too, so you you never know how much that didn't like certain got certain executives are willing and aren't willing to deal with their rivals on this front. And I mean, the Nets were obviously comfortable dealing with the Pacers, but I think the Celtics are probably on a different tier to them at this point. So um, one other thing in terms of I think uh, the only I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Sixers in a second in terms of what they didn't do here and what what happens to them now. Um, I do think it is big for the Celtics and other teams in the East. The Nets got nothing besides hard in this deal. Like they weren't able to, to, despite giving the, the, the boatload of picks, couldn't squeeze a PJ Tucker or any other useful piece from the Rockets roster that could help them now. So not that they're not going to be able to get guys in the buyout market or via a different trade, but I think that bodes well in terms of, you know, keeping them making them like at least a, a team you have a chance against in the playoffs, even if they're rolling. I mean, but like who, who could they have gotten? If you look at the, the, the Rockets roster, it's really PJ Tucker or bust, right? Uh, like Daniel house, like someone like that. Uh, God, God. Oh God. Daniel house. Like he's like the, he's like James Ennis to me. He's like a, a Jag, literally a Jag. Like, they could, use jacks. Tra- they could use jacks. They could use jacks in that roster. Sure. <laughs> for sure. And they're, and that's fine. But like, can't you get a jag? Like, like does James Ennis or like, or Daniel house, does he offer more value than signing Jamal Crawford? I mean, You're going to say on the defensive end, obviously, but like, like I just, I'm not, I'm not big on those guys. Although I did love Ennis in the bubble. Ennis in the bubble was very fun to watch. Um, 
but like, I, I just, I'm not a, I'm, yeah, I'm not like a, like just trade for a wing that plays 10 minutes a night for no reason guy. I just, I'll never be that guy. All right. That's fair enough. <laughs> there are better and worse wings. Yeah. There are better and worse wings. So, but there are better and better levels, right? Right. That's the question. PJ Tucker is the one who's sort of. Yeah. PJ Tucker is like the biggest. Yeah. We're talking about PJ Tucker here. There are, you know, other guys that could play for the minutes on the Rockets, but they got nothing. And so PJ Tucker will be dealt. He's not going to be dealt to Brooklyn. Um, Maybe he gets dealt to Philly or somewhere else. We'll see. Or the Celtics, I'm sure, will be one of the teams inquiring there whether or not they want to, you know, depending on how good Grant Williams and Shemi Ojale continue to play, the need for P.J. Tucker might wane a little bit, at least um, in the short term. Um, but, yeah, that's – I think if if you're a team around the East, you there's a sigh of relief to see that P.J. Tucker was not included in this deal, just to give them someone who could play defense. Yeah, but I sort of see – I always make 2008 equivalents because that's like my heyday for Celtics stuff. <laughs> it's like 2008 to 2013. But, like, I see P.J. Tucker as more, at this point in his career, more of a P.J. Brown-type uh, effect on the game. And that's, that's great, right? But, like, I think people are expecting a James Posey effect on the game, and they're getting P.J. Tucker, who's 1,000 years old, who's still only, like, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and sometimes makes threes. Like, I get that people love P.J. Tucker, but, like, at some point, the, the, the carriage is going to turn into a pumpkin. PJ Tucker. Don't look what he's shooting from three this year, then, Jax. Fifty-two percent. <laughs> the best on, on, he's the on best what? left like, corner three-point shooter, yeah. like ever. It, and that's one very regular thing. Now, like the second best left corner three-point shooter ever is Jalen Brown. So, um, right, exactly. So, I mean, like, I, I just I know who PJ Tucker is, and I and I'm not willing to get excited about him. That's that's really it. Mm-hmm. It is what he is. I mean, I think he's a – so I will make the argument now for the Celtics are one of the winners from this trade. Ooh. One of the, the structures nice. here. And, I, and, and I'll tie hot. in a little bit here. So <laughs> the Celtics, there are no, no big winners amongst, like, the competitive teams right now, the teams that are trying to challenge because, of you know, the Nets just got better. And in, in the immediate, that's obviously not good for the Celtics. And Harden coming into the Eastern Conference isn't great. But in terms of, like, the Celtics' immediate competition, they're the team that has – like the longest runway right now. And the Nets just went very heavily all in right now. And so again, if you're Milwaukee, like that's a problem. If you're the, the Sixers, you were trying to probably make this trade and you couldn't. So it's hard to name to say that they're a winner. Toronto looks like an absolute total mess right now. Um, so like from the team and, and then Miami has been trying to get into this market for superstars. And like, there's another one that's now probably maybe they were thinking about, would there be a time where they could get, get involved with, with Harden and obviously that didn't happen here and they aren't they are certainly aren't all in now but like Jimmy Butler's not getting any younger we don't really know what's going on with their cap space now so amongst those sort of teams that are around the Celtics they're the team that has four or five years of like a long title window here if what we're seeing from Jalen Brown recently is like legit and sticks they have a long title window here and all these other teams are pretty you know sort of going for it right now in some manner um, the 76 is not so much but again like they wanted to be in this trade and they weren't so you're not going to say that they're a winner and then the other thing is that Tucker didn't move. If the Celtics get into the trade market, it's going to be for a wing. Even if it's not P.J. Tucker they get, that's one more guy that's out there. Anytime, like anything that adds to the sort of buyers or sellers market here, right? The Celtics are, want it to be a buyer's market, which means they want there to be more guys like that out there. 
And so Tucker being available means that some other wing that they would maybe have to give up a little bit more for now, you know, they can sort of play those off. So I think that this, if, the, if Harden was going to go somewhere in the Eastern Conference, going to the Nets for everything. Right. And then also Oladipo, who I think is a higher upside player than Levert, also going out. I think that that is, you know, sort of as good as it could work out for for the Celtics. The best thing could have been that Harden just stays in Houston, but that didn't, that right. was never going to happen. So in that context, I think the Celtics came out relatively okay on this whole thing. But like, don't you think the best midseason acquisition for the Celtics? And I'm going to get really stupid here, but like, don't you think the best midseason acquisition for the Celtics is going to be Kemba Walker and Romeo Langford as the wing that they're looking for? I don't know about Langford. I mean, Walker is a huge, is, is obviously a huge deal, right? If, if anybody believes 538, you know, sports projection stuff, they there's do a not. reason that if there's a, there's a reason that the Celtics are second or third favorite title odds in both of their models. And it's because they think that Kemba Walker is going to come back and be fine. And like, it's just a big deal if you get back an all-star point guard onto this team. So yeah, Walker's going to be the biggest, you know, the biggest one, but I, I've been making the point for a while. And I know since, since the TPU was created, like they need to use it this year. They need to get somebody good. I do think they need wing help if they want to actually win the title. But yeah, the player they get is not going to be as good as Kemba Walker. But yeah. like the wing, the wing is not, uh, obviously Langford coming back is not going to be a good three-point shooting wing, at least based on, you know, what we know about Langford. But like he will, he will help on the defensive end for sure. He will, but we don't know if he can, like I want to see him stay healthy. For sure. Like totally he, he's just been... You know, uh, you know, not on the floor for more than ten games in a row is it for you know going back to college for three years now. So yeah, like you, best case scenario is that Romeo Langford comes back, looks great, hits corner threes, and you say at the trade, you know, in February, and you say, okay, this is we don't need PJ Tucker, but I think realistically, you know, expecting Kemba and Langford to come back and look great and have there be no other injuries like that, given how this team roster construction is set up i think you're gonna if there's one position you're gonna need it's gonna be on the wing with extra re- even if langford does come back you probably should get another wing for depth there anyway because you're gonna need it in the playoffs yeah i don't think it's a depth question there I, the problem with langford is that he's a guard defender primarily he's just not that big and like he's gonna guard the same guys that smart's gonna guard in large part like he would have been really helpful in the playoffs last year when tyler hero was going off like that's the perfect guy for him to guard but he's not the guy who you want to have, you know, taking up minutes guarding Kawhi's not in the conference anymore, but, you know, Kawhi or Giannis or something like that. Like the, what they really need is a big wing who can guard. Right. You don't want to like, rely on Ojale to do that. That's like, the problem. That's, that's it's, like, right right. Now it's you wanna, You're you looking wanna, for an upgrade on Ojale. Right. Yeah, but Hayward sucked at that last year too. So like, I'm, I'm and not, they lost like, to a team that had Jimmy Butler. Like, right. no, <laughs> like, I know. But, but yeah. my point is like, you're so like the Celtics lost like uh, an all-star, a former all-star six, eight, wing who could guard theoretically two through or one through four and yeah, it's injury, just not he was true. A guard defender as well yeah he was he, not like, he, in, in the he was guarding power forwards he was right. not guarding power forward. he was guarding two guards for the celtics last year they right. need somebody who can guard take minutes guarding big wings and so but those people guarding. are just not available that's, that's why people point. obsess about aaron gordon right or my new obsession about og ananobi like if toronto is blowing up can you, is there something there? But that's why I'd be fine with Gordon. that. I'd be fine with that, but I'm, I'm not big on Aaron Gordon. I think he's placed smaller than he is. I think it's his, I think he's a big, strong guy, like sort of like semi Ojale, but I don't see him like actually affecting a power forward. I feel like Jalen Brown's a better power forward defender. 
eh, I don't know about that, but like, <laughs> it's, I agree. I don't think Aaron Gordon is like some great player. The, the sort of question there is if you can get him for your first round pick this year, which you basically know it's going to be like, you know, 26 or something, who really right. cares? And then, although you don't want to ever give up a Peyton Pritchard, um, and then <laughs> a pick two years from now with some amount of protection on it, like you aren't giving up a huge amount for him if that's the cost, or if the cost is like Neesmith and your pick this year or something like that, like you're just put, potentially in there where the cost is not enormous. That's why people have set over it. Where I say right. like, oh, OG Ananobi is the guy who I, you know, is the other one that's like, hey, if if Toronto really starts to go a different direction here, would they start to listen to offers for players like that? But he would cost like way more than Aaron Gordon would. So I think he's a better fit and a better player, but like he's going to, Aaron Gordon, you might be able to get relatively cheap, especially now that, you know, they don't have a point guard. They, they're going to start losing a ton of games. Yeah. But if you give up a late first round pick, it could have been Desmond Bain. Or Robert Williams or Peyton Pritchard, like I said, <laughs> but you know, still I, you got to make, B Rob and I have been on the you got to be more aggressive with those picks uh, wagon for for the last whatever year. So <laughs> not going to be uh, uh, anti Zizic and uh, Yabu Zabu. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> the guy this last thing they were pushing for a title who they were picking up in those picks turned out to be you know J.R. Giddens and Jawan Johnson. Right. So exactly. <laughs> doesn't always work out. <sighs> All right, um, let's wrap up. Well, let's do a quick second on the Sixers. Not pulling the trigger here. Good move, bad move. How's Ben Simmons feeling? Um, uh, Tyrese Maxey stock got too high for them to give up at this point. Like I, I still probably would have pulled the trigger on that as long as you got PJ Tucker back in the deal. But maybe that was what the, the haggling was over. I guess. I guess the the question is: Is it's who's the focal point of the deal? It's Simmons, right? Like you're not suggesting that Tyrese Maxey's value is so high that he's the focal point of the deal. He's the number one. And then like Simmons <laughs> in the, the back. <laughs> Cause that's, cause that's, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I'm, I'm high on Tyrese Maxey, but as like a high value first round pick, not like a, not like a Ben Simmons type dude. No, I mean, that was, that was a joke. James. Yeah. Good, good, good. Just, just <laughs> clarifying, you know, anybody who can drop 39 in their in their debut, they're on, uh, off to big things. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not high on Simmons, so I feel like they lost out, but I also am not high on Harden. So it's like uh, I'm I'm sort of at a loss. I'm I'm willing to to let Ryan take this one. I'm high higher than most on Simmons, but not on the not on the 76ers under their current construction, like not with Joel Embiid, so I would have done it for sure. <laughs> um I would be more as a Celtics fan, I'm I prefer that he's on the Nets and that the Nets have sold out their entire future than I would be if he was on the 76ers. Uh, that team would scare me more, even though you like, that sounds ridiculous. The Nets have KD and Harden and Kyrie. And it's like, this should be terrifying. Um, but for whatever reason, if you told me that he was taking Ben Simmons a spot and it was going to be Harden, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, uh, Joel Embiid and whoever their who, who would be their other starter I don't even know maybe it would be a Curry still I'm not really sure but um, like that team just sort of structurally scares me more uh, which I think is a good a good indication now it's hard to to rip them because we just don't know what the parameters of the trade were going to be and like what how close they got because if it was if what they were having to give up was like Simmons and Maxi and Thibault then fine but if it was like those three and three picks and two swaps it's just like oh okay well that gets to be like right <laughs> that's a lot right um so without knowing that it's hard to like rip into them but a lot of the people in the self in the Sixers sort of media sphere right now are like they missed 
this was their opportunity and they missed it. And, and is it, was Tyrese Maxey or like one extra first round pick worth missing what you feel was your opportunity? I get it. Um, but I would, as I would have had the same feeling about if I was a Sixers fan, I would have written a piece called the James Harden trade seems really bad. Exactly. Like I did for the Kyrie Irving trade for the Celtics. <laughs> if they had given up like, you know, right, all the, those three guys extra. and picks and everything else. If it was basically, they had to give up Simmons and Maxi and like a cup and like a pick or two, then I like, I would have done that. Yeah. Harden's for sure. Better than Kyrie. So. And I, I do wonder like from the Houston Philly negotiating perspective, how much more Houston was trying to squeeze at a Mori. Um, for that reason, just knowing the, you know, the scrutiny that a deal with, with him would have gotten even more so and knowing that they had, you know, the mother load of picks in the back pocket from Brooklyn to be like, okay, if he wants to do this, we're going to, you know, really make him, you know, give us the players and a good amount of picks to the point where he's uncomfortable. And if he's not going to get there, then, you know, see you later. They got so much. And if they think Oladipo is good, if they, it's right. possible that Houston thinks Oladipo is really good. Yeah, he might be their side. cornerstone to like to that, right yeah. to max out. Like I'm assuming that they are going to let him walk, and they're trying to enter into a rebuild. But they do still have you know Christian Wood and John Wall has looked okay. It's possible that they're thinking that they're that he's you know Oladipo has been looking good, and that they're going to re-sign him, and that they're thinking like, hey, Oladipo is you know 80 percent as good as Ben Simmons, or nine, or he's as good as Ben Simmons, whatever it might be. And that in their mind, they're like, we got all of these picks and we got a guy who we think is as good as Ben Simmons. Like, that's also a possibility of, of how, you know, what they're thinking is we may not agree with that, but it doesn't mean that, that it's, you know, right or wrong. We, I, I think things all the time that turn out to be wrong about basketball. Like, <laughs> I don't so, know. so contract agnostic though, who's better, John Wall or Victor Oladipo? John Wall or Ben Simmons? Or do you mean John Wall? No, I, I mean John Waller, Victor Oladipo. Oh, Oladipo. They have both of them. No, Oladipo for sure. Oladipo. Okay, right. good, good. Uh, as long as we're on the same page on that. Like I'm saying between Simmons though. Like if they're thinking that Oladipo right. is near or equal to Ben Simmons, and they got four first round picks and swapped, right. then like that becomes a very very difficult offer for the Sixers to beat. Unless it's like we're offering you Simmons and Maxi and Thibault and three picks and two. Like that's what I'm getting right. at. Where the price could get so high for the 76ers that you would be like, oh, we, yeah, that's it. Gets to a point of ridiculousness depending on sort of uh, to be what B-Rob said, like once they have that Nets offer in their back pocket, they, they can ask an awful lot from the 76er. So it's hard to say that they miss out because we just don't know what, what it would have taken. I know. I wonder if there was a, there were deals that then they went to the Nets with, but you assume the Nets made the Godfather offer because they were the, the main contender, right? Like there's literally nothing else they could offer other yeah. than Kyrie. And if they don't want Kyrie, and there's well, like who again, wants a lot Kyrie? Of who are Houston doesn't want Kyrie. Like, Kyrie has no value right now. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people who are basically saying that. Like, there's people who are you know a lot of because this is not a great fit. Kyrie and Harden are not a great fit. No, and does, there's does, a ton of people who are trying to figure out okay where is Kyrie going, and then you get a lot of pushback from like Bobby Marks, I think actually even said or somebody a couple other people had said it. Frank Isola, who never who God knows what he actually knows, but came back saying like yeah Kyrie has no value right now. He knows a lot about Allen Houston. Um, so uh, does uh, one question I have does Kyrie fit in it? TPE. <laughs> We're not going there. <laughs> I think my my favorite part about this right my favorite part about this deal though from from Houston's perspective is they only end up with one Brooklyn net at the end of it and then that was, and that was that's the and it's a, a meaningless um you know Roko whatever yeah Roko uh, but it is like the rumor all along here was that like yep Houston does not like brooklyn's pieces 
and that seems to be a hundred percent on the on the ball because they <laughs> were looking and they got and they you know they well, did, then like, when he went down too then when right. he went down so that's right that, that, that's, that's a huge that's a huge part and honestly yeah. that's what i think kills brooklyn like the all-in portion of this deal to like to do this deal and i know dinwiddie going down probably like pushed him even more in that direction but at the same time like not having him is like oof like you yeah how many picks is he worth i like he's probably worth off first rounder well and the problem is now they have no other picks that they can trade so they can't even trade him as an expiring to get somebody else's like somewhat better you know negative value contract but better player for now that kind of expiring and a pick for somebody else they don't have any picks left and he's not going to play for them he's never going to play for them again right they're not going to re-sign this offseason so it's just like a dead contract at this point to the point where like if they could do a buyout they probably would just is he expiring he's got yeah he's always an option so we can either opt in but everybody's been assuming that with the market the way it is he's going to opt out plus dinwiddie coin he's always told everybody he's going to opt out yeah but he didn't tell everyone he was going to tear his acl Maybe he's a actually team. he did in the thing that he wrote about Dinwiddie coin, where he was like, even if I get injured, I have this protection, but I probably won't need it because of the way that inflation works in the NBA. Like he actually did say, like, even if I get injured, you're still going to make money off this. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I really do. See, he's also weird, but in the context of the NBA, he's fine because he doesn't, he is weird only away from the team, not actually with the team <laughs> yeah but i honestly don't think we don't have to get into like bitcoin or whatever but like i do think that he's a dude that's thought about this you know and like says yeah. like okay i have like a certain amount of money that in like you know and not in cryptocurrency i'm gonna i'm gonna literally make my contract an investment i'm just not gonna say anything so be wrapping get us back on the rails that's for another pod All right. that's for winning plays after hours exactly Winning plays investments. Winning investments. Um, let's wrap five. Let's go. Yeah, five minutes on the Celtics. Um, best record in the East. Um, probably going to play with nine guys on Friday night uh, against the Magic. Um, I don't even. I don't like. I don't even know if you guys want to go into this whole. I mean, the COVID situation is. It's. Obviously, league wide, it's ridiculous and terrible. Like it's a, mess. We, it's a mess. It's it's the league should Cam, not Cam be wrote a right good now. piece for Celtics Hub. Plug plug. Uh, it's just it. The season shouldn't have happened. You know, I think yeah, that's pretty but, obvious. Right. So we won't get into that part of it. But just quick quick hits on where the Celtics are and what you're looking for in the next couple of weeks here, assuming that they get back to full health, hopefully by you know, the end of next weekend. I mean, the number one thing is that Jason Tatum comes out on the other side of what I assume is a COVID positive test in okay health, right? And if anybody else on the team has also tested positive to this point, you get the same. Um, we, we tend to think of like, oh, they're NBA players. They come out fine on the other side. They're young, they're whatever. But like, right, there was that kid at, at Florida State who ended up in a coma, yeah. right? There's, uh, there's Florida, a, the Gators. I know you Florida, don't follow, Florida. but. All right, there's. <laughs> And, and you know, Eduardo Rodriguez for the for the, the Red Sox, you know, as in a large heart, things like that. Like, these are, there are really serious things that can happen on this. So the number one thing is that everybody who has tested positive for COVID or who does from this point on comes out on it, on the other side of it, as well as, like, seemingly Marcus Smart has. So that's number one. Um, in terms of on-the-court stuff, you really can't complain, right? Um, all of the important big things, like, you can nitpick about little things on the, you know, Neesmith and stuff like that. But, like, all of the important things have looked good. They're seven and three without Kemba. I would have signed for that in a second. I thought they were going to struggle with a, you know, not great record coming out. I thought it was going to take longer for Kemba to come back. They look 
at this point, like if you get Kemba back, I've said this and I will stand by it. Like if they get Kemba back at a level that's close to what he's been in the past and they use the TP in a, in a reasonably good way, like I think they're a legitimate title contender um, if these are the Jays that you get in the playoffs. I think it's been that good of a start of the season. Uh, I don't think they're the number one title contender, but like I think that it's not outside the realm of possibility that like healthy Kemba, healthy Jalen and Jason looking like this, one more additional pickup, like they could really be there with the way that the season started. So from that perspective, it's like almost unambiguously good and the negatives are all real small stuff. You didn't even mention Payne Pritchard. Um, <laughs> I said almost unambiguously good. So pretty much all of those things are good as well. Can, can we just laugh a little bit at the fact that Ryan gave like six caveats to them being a title contender? You will, I will never, ever answer a question of that sort of thing without caveats because as I tell everybody, I can't see the future. And it's always related to a million caveats. Like the Lakers <laughs> will be really good if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy, but I don't like. I'm not certain that they will be because. But how that's how would I know? <laughs> but that's like one or two caveats. Like well, but I will give you more than that if you need. Like, <laughs> I can't write everything is probabilistic in this at, at this point when you're looking 70 games from now and then through a playoff series. I really don't know, but like there are ways that this could break that would be very good for the Celtics. And the first 10 games of the season have been very positive on those fronts, as opposed to if they came back and Jalen was kicking the ball over the court and it looked like he couldn't handle a bigger role, right? That would be a big yep. deal. What we've seen from him has been, ex- you know, pretty exceptionally positive. Um, I'd say know, it's like, Jason best, is this best case late. scenario, Ryan? Like this, yeah. this is best case scenario. Uh, pretty much. I mean, yeah. best case, but you're right. Except the best case scenario is the, adding one more win, the 50-50 game, or two more wins, the 50-50 game against Pistons and Indiana. So, like... three buzzer beaters. Yeah, they also, right, they also right, got the buzzer beaters. They won the, more 50-50s than they lost. So, like, from, from, a, from an odds perspective, they're in pretty good shape there. But that's my point. The, the whole point is, like, I think Rich made this on the last winning play, made this point in the last winning play podcast. They're, like, you know, four possessions away from a 500 ball club. So, well... I agree with Ryan. I am fully on board with them being title contenders. He actually thinks, uh, as he just said, that they are the favorite to come out of the East and they're going to, uh, they're actually the favorite against the Lakers in the finals. That's what Ryan just said. I, um, I, I think that they are a couple of possessions away from being a 500 ball club. So I don't disagree though. Yeah. Seven no, and three I know. Is not <laughs> I why know. I think seven and three is not why I think that it's been all good. Seven and three is fine. They've had, they should probably be six and four, right? It's like, the supernova of the Jays. It's that the Jays have been really good, and Pritchard has looked good, and Smart has looked fine, and we know Kemba's coming back earlier than we thought, so hopefully it's not as serious as we thought. Rob Williams has looked really good. The center rotation seems fine, even though they're not spending any money on it. Like, just Ojale looking like a playable rotation player is oh, like yeah. a relatively big deal. All that stuff has been good the fact that they've won one more game than they probably should have in terms of their record is like not what I'm super stoked about. It's like everything else that's happening. And it's absolutely number one is like Jalen Brown being a, a, you know, a level better than, than he was at the end of last year. And, and like just pure eye test him. He just looks so much more confident. He, I feel like he knows when to pull up for a, for a two, like a mid range jump shot, even though everyone hates that jump shot. Like, rather than try to get to the rim and like LeBron someone and bowl someone over. Like, I feel like that's a big deal and he's absolutely wetting those shots. Like, I feel like that's a big deal in his development. So I agree. Those are the sort of the 
points of the Celtics that make me very, very excited about it. Um, I just, I, I think the one linchpin, which I think we all agree is how COVID is going to affect and it's, it's scary and it's uh, very real. And we are just going to be observers. We're going to be voyeurs whole thing. Um, but uh, everything considered, I'm, I'm very high on them. I mean, would you rather be the Celtics right now or Milwaukee? Um, for, for this year, Milwaukee. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you guys are crazy. Uh, I think you guys high on Dante DiVincenzo? We were just uh, talking about how we're high on Peyton Pritchard and Semi Ojale. So, yeah, I'd be high on Dante. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but he's, their, he's their third banana. Like, well, Semi Ojale is like the fourth starter on the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's like the sixth man, seventh they don't have. Man. They are missing some depth. But yeah, they need, they need really players, but yeah, those guys are good. I mean, from a Celtics perspective, though, to kind of wrap it up on this, the fact that Jalen, like, we, we reached this point in the season and, like, there wasn't even – you could probably maybe find, what, like, maybe 5% or 10% of Celtics fans that would have wanted to even consider giving up Jalen Brown for Harden at this point in this conversation. The fact that the Celtics were not even in that discussion kind of speaks to where, you know, how good Brown has been and how big of a second leap he's kind of taken this year already. And it's only been 10 games, but as you guys hit on, like, Jack, with, like, the, the mid-range shooting, the passing, like, I think the defense has been really solid from him, you know, in spots. And Celtics are also – Celtics fans are also really, really bullish on their own players. Right. <laughs> but it's just like – Also, James Harden is not tons of fun to watch. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I, hate, uh, I, I made this right. comment that I think that if we hadn't gone through the Kyrie Irving experience recently, then there would have been more Celtics fans who were That's pushing fair. for Harden trade. That's I just think fair. That, like Ugh. there are some scars there about the the type of trade that that was, the type of player he was. Um, that there are some Celtics fans who are like, I just want to root for the guys who I really like. Right. It's like it's like if they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals, watching Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown play this way, it's like they're almost happier. Right. So. Tatum and Brown are really easy to root for. Really and easy. James Harden for. isn't always the easiest player to root for. Really. And Kyrie, when he was going, was great to root for. But by the end, I, I just think it left some scars in terms of like, I don't, you know, I think there were a lot of fans who three or four years ago faced with the same scenario would have been right now today being like, I can't believe we missed out on this. I can't believe we didn't trade Jalen Brown for James Harden. And now you just don't see that. So. Correct. I think it's that took out a pretty significant percentage of the pack. So, all right. Uh, thanks for hopping on boys. Uh, follow us at winning place pod, follow Ryan at danger cart, follow Brennan at Jack. So BD, I'm at Brian T Rob. Uh, we'll play more in this coming on the Boston sports journal over the next couple of days. And yeah, we'll see. I don't think we're going to see the Harden and the Nets play the Celtics until the second half of the season, I believe. So that it might be a little bit, if unless I'm mistaken, I don't think they play them. They don't. In, Not in until the first half again. Unknown yeah. dates. Until unknown dates. So we wait a while for that, but um, be obviously plenty to to uncover in terms of how this team, this new look team, looks in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. And as always, thanks for listening.